Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, December 20th, 2021, and today we're reading from the Big Book. We're in Chapter 11, and we're on page 154, the third paragraph, with, which starts with, of course he couldn't drink, and reading that one paragraph only, and today's readers are, and thank you for your service, the 12 Steps. Judith S.P., 12 Traditions, Silvana G., and reading the text are Larry K., Penny E., and Dara L. as our backup. The newcomer greeter is Nancy C., and the host of the second hour is Karen K. The reference number for the special edition on Sunday, December 19th, is 18,266. That's 18266. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Judith S.P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Judith S.P. in Maryland, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for His no- his, for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to compulsive eaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Judith. Okay, I will ask 
Silvana G to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. I'm Savannah G from Pennsylvania and a compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. Our loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no, uh, no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation for all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Silvana. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book. We're on page 154, the third paragraph. Of course, he couldn't drink. And I'm reading the one paragraph only. And I will ask Larry Kay to begin reading. Hey, Katie, thanks so much uh, for your service. And I'm Larry Kay from Chicago Recovered. It says, of course, he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table, bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober for six months now? Perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. Again, it was that old insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down to the lobby, to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. So if we take a look at it, you know, at this and, and, and see where we can identify in. That's what I try to do. Um, now, I remember it was only six months prior to that that 
you know, Bill nearly drunk himself to death. I find it amazing. It wasn't, you know, that long that he had been sober. In fact, he had endured four hospital stays, as we know, in Towns Hospital to detox. And remember, you know, during his last visit, he hit, you know, a bottom and he, and he cried out to God that he was, a God that he was highly skeptical of and said, if there be a, you know, if there be a God, let him show himself. And, and at that moment, we know that he felt a white light kind of blaze through the room and he had that white light experience that many of us have not had. Yet there was, you know, there's no, here he is in the Mayflower Hotel. There's no divine blaze in the lobby of the Mayflower Hotel. In fact, the only thing that was, you know, was blazing in his head was an intense desire to drink. Can I relate to that? I, I, I can't. And fear gripped him. And have I been there? Have you been there? Well, for me, many times I've been there. You know, I, re I remember being six months sober. I can remember having relapse during years and, and being sober and fear grips us. And, you know, so, so I think what this paragraph is going to lead in, we're going to hear more about the story of what he did, but we do know that, you know, that he, this paragraph is a lead in to tell us he's going to have to turn away. It's very counterintuitive to turn away from the very thing that is like pulling us in. And he's going to turn to the mo to, to, to something that he really would probably prefer not to do. And, and same with us in 2000, almost 2022. We're going to have to turn, remember, service and self-sacrifice for others with no expectation of a return. And how do we do that? We do that by carrying this message, but there's many ways we can do it. And so to me, I, I still read this um, as, uh, as, a, as, a, as a paragraph that's relevant to me today because I still find myself, maybe it's not my physical sobriety, could be emotional sobriety that I just through practice, just turn myself towards walking to the proverbial church directory, reaching out to someone else, reaching my hand out to someone else. That's what we do with that. I pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay. Thank you, Larry. Um, thanks for getting us started on page 154, the third paragraph. Of course he couldn't drink. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience. And I will now ask who would like to um, press star one to unmute so you can give me your name. Jackie B. Janet Jackie B. B. Roz G. Dara okay. L. Leslie, yeah. Leslie W. Claire E from the UK. Okay, I have Jackie B, Janet B, Roz G, Dara L, Leslie W, and Claire E. Take one or two more. Okay, let's get started with Jackie B, followed by Janet B. Good, good morning, and thank you, everyone, for your service. This is Jackie B from the Bronx. Um, you know, I totally identify. I mean, I've been in this program more than 30 years, and even with my current abstinence, which is pretty strong today, uh, five years, um, you know what? It creeps in every so often. You know, being in a situation where I might be with a group of people, and all of a sudden I feel that grip of insecurity. 
uh, self-doubt. And then all of a sudden, the buffet looks really good. You know what? That's when I have to stop, ask my higher power for help, and then maybe I'll text out. You know, I came to realize that I can't do this program alone. And I have to share my experience, strength, and hope. People need to know that I am human, that I, you know, suffer from human emotions on a day-to-day basis. And even with those human emotions, I can stay abstinent and recovered one day at a time if I reach out to others. It may be with a saying, it may be with a thought, it may be with a phone call, it may be with an inventory, it may be with anything that links me to program and recovery to another human being. As long as I do that, I have another minute, day, year of sobriety. And that's the difference today. Today, there is no phone call that is stupid. There is no reaching out that's stupid, no text that's stupid. Better you reach out than not. I have to reach out because if I don't, then I think I'm alone, then I think I can handle it, I can make the decision. I can't. I have to reach out, touch someone, and tell them, listen, I am feeling this way. I feel a buildup of emotions that need to share with others so that I don't eat over it. And with that, I pass and keep coming back. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. Okay, Janet B., you're up, followed by Roz G. Hi, good morning. It's Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. I love this story. And I always think, okay, here's, here's Bill, and he, we all know how this ends. You know, he walks away from the bar, and he, you know, does something amazing, that if he hadn't, none of us would be here. But I look back up just like a couple paragraphs before and I see the condition he was in, like bitterly discouraged, alone, discredited, broke, weak, newly sober. And I always contrast that with um, our friend Jim back in chapter three, where it says there was Jim, you know, he got a, he had his job, his family was all together, um, things were going well, and Jim got drunk and Bill started Alcoholics Anonymous. And so what I, I think that teaches me is that circumstances are never, ever the cause of relapse. You know, back when I was binging, I would say, well, I binged because, and there was always a because, how somebody treated me. Um, you know, that one day I binged because I wanted it to be nice out and it was raining out. I binged, you know, because of my parents, because of my job, because of any fill in the blank. And what this shows is that's never the cause of relapse. It's always because there's something wrong with my spiritual condition. And I see here that Bill, back in Bill's story, we see that um, once he surrendered, he was in the hospital. So he was newly surrendered. And the thought came that he could help other alcoholics. So already his mind was turned to, I would say two things. One, helping others. And the second, um, committed to doing God's will. And we contrast that with Jim, who, you know, his life was going well, but it says he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. 
he didn't really care much about helping others, didn't care about enlarging his spiritual life. And he went out and got drunk. And Bill, even though his life was, you know, in all normal regards, you know, a train wreck, went out and started Alcoholics Anonymous. So that just shows me it's never circumstances. It's always my commitment to God and helping others. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janet B. Okay, Roz G, you're up, followed by Dara L. Okay, <clears throat> good morning. My name's Roz G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. And according to this app that I have, I have 2.44 years of abstinence, 894 days. And um, I've been in OA a long time, so I've had a couple of relapses, but I wanted to share a couple of incidents that happened in this over this past two years that reminded me of what we uh, read this morning. And they are both at buffets. Um, I went to Las Vegas. I was working on my EDD, and um, I went to a convention in Las Vegas to do some kind of presentation with my uh, my school partner. And um, nobody, knew, nobody, nobody knew I w- was in OA. I never talked to my school partner about uh, my twelve-step um, programs. I just tried to live them. Um, and I was on this new abstinence, and um, there was a, a beautiful buffet table um, at a luncheon, and there was a beautiful mound of macaroni and cheese sitting in the middle of the table under one of those. Um, you know, canisters with the fire under it, the blue fire. And it was just beautiful. You know, uh, that's a, a macaroni and cheese is a comfort, beautiful food to me that um, I overeat. And it, uh, I, it's on my list of foods that I do not eat. And I remember having to uh, cast my eyes away from it, not look at it. And I called a sponsor and uh she and we talked about it and I thank God so much that I made that phone call because I felt as though I was a bit shaky and um, I just thank God that I I made that call Um, and then there was another occasion where I went to a funeral of a very close family member it was a we we considered her more of a, a family member but she was not blood relative anyway um, all they had on the uh, buffet table in the in the in the you know the wake line at the in the church um, hall was fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, and cake, and maybe coffee or something like that, and and maybe greens, a, a very soul foodish type of thing. And uh, I I I I went outside. I looked at the view at this church that we went to. It was a beautiful view. So I went to admire the view and called my sponsor. And she said to me, did you take care of yourself? Did you bring something to eat? And I didn't think of bringing food to a funeral, you know. But um, I today that's a great idea. But I just thank God that I made the phone call and said, this is what's on the table. And, and, and I'm in these emotional situations. But because I made those phone calls, I cast my eyes away I had been in fit spiritual condition, newly sober, um, newly abstinent in those situations. I didn't eat it. Time, please. Thank you. I will wrap up by saying I'm grateful that I understand how it feels to, to look at something beautiful, yet know it's danger and poison. 
and I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Roz. Okay, Dara L, you're up, followed by Leslie W. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia, and I so relate to the subtle, insidious insanity, you know, to move from, of course, you know, like I can't eat compulsively. Of course, I can't binge and purge. Of course, you know, to, you know, justifying, um, which is which is what I heard, you know, like this whole, well, maybe I'll just do it a little bit, you know, maybe I'll get away with it this time. Maybe, it, you know, the, the romantic like the romancing of the of the disease um which you know if this disease is a memory problem if the ism is an incredibly short memory um what is staggering to me is that like the memory is when i'm not in fit spiritual condition um which bill was sort of on the precipice right in this moment like when i'm not in fit spiritual condition I remember the glory days of the food and bulimia, but I can't remember, you know, all the pain and the toxicity and all of that. You know, I need God in my life in order to remember that. And I just, I, I like, I am so grateful that this paragraph exists because it teaches me as a, as a recovered person that like there may be moments when I'm shaky and that's okay. You know, and, and, and that, in and of itself, that shakiness is not going to lead me to the food. What leads me to the food is selfishness. Um, it always has, you know, and this belief that I'm impervious, that, I, you know, I can't be touched by the disease again. Um, and I'll share, you know, the first time around, I had two years abstinence before I picked up and relapsed. The second time, it was two years. The next time, it was five years. And every time, I always said, I will never binge and purge again. Like, I've been, you know, I've been to treatment enough time. Like, I know, I know, I've got this disease. I'll never binge and purge again. And the selfishness came back. And, you know, I think there's two kinds of phone calls. There's the phone calls I make to ask for help. And then there's the phone calls that I make and or take to really be of service to another human being. And, um, and, and for me, you know, this is really talking about that second kind. It's like, how can I show up? How can I be of service? How can I how can I, by helping someone else, remember what it was like? And yesterday I had the beautiful experience of taking a fifth step. And it was like, I can only know who I am by supporting someone else who has my same disease. And I don't know how that, how that works. It's like I have no capacity for self-reflection when it comes to the eating disorder. But when I can be there for another person, God keeps me safe for another day. And I don't know. It's a beautiful circuitous process um, that sometimes for me is born of joy, but often is born of pain. It's like I'm, you know, I'm hurting. And so then I have to, you know, turn my attention to someone I can help and suddenly I'm not hurting anymore. Um, and anyways, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dara. Okay, Leslie W., you're up, followed by Claire E., and then we'll get more names. Hey, thanks, Katie. This is Leslie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. And I just wanted to jump in on this paragraph and say that um, I, I really relate to this feeling that I'm guessing that Bill must have had where he felt like he wanted to be, it really wasn't, I don't, I don't know if it was so much the drink as uh, as as it was just being a part of feeling a part of um i've been on i've been to many different events and occasions where you know I, my disease can can trick me and tell me that 
you know, in order to be a part of this, this event and this group and this function and this celebration, you got to eat and drink like everybody else. Um, you know, I am different. I am bodily and mentally different from my fellows. And I know that. I know that. And I'm okay with that. Um, and if I'm not okay with that, then I'd better watch out because my disease will will win. It will take over and it will tell me those lies, which is why working with another works when nothing else will. When all else fails, work with another fellow will save the day. And that has been true for me in my life. Just making that call and saying, you know, getting out of myself, getting out of my fears and insecurities and my selfishness. And that is the essence of this program. Um, and, you know, as Bill demonstrated that day by walking to the phone, choosing, he made a choice. You know, I have a choice. I have a choice to make every, every single day. And uh, today, you know, I choose, I choose life. I choose, I choose to be present because I know that uh, if I believe those lies, that it's not really true. It's not really true that if I eat and drink like everybody else, that I'll be a part of. It's not true. It's a lie. So I have to call it for what it is. And my fellows help me to do that. My fellows help me to stay accountable to the realities um, of that situation. So with that, I think I'm gonna pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leslie. Claire E, you're up and then we'll have more shares. We're on page 154, the third paragraph. Of course he couldn't drink. Thank you so much, Katie. My name's Claire E, I'm a recovered compulsive eater in the UK. Um, I love the shares this morning, really grateful to be here. Um, and I just, while, while I've been on the meeting, I've looked up the word insidious, the definition of it. And um, it comes from the Latin, uh, which means ambush, often carries the meaning of deceitful, stealthy, or harmful in an imperceptible fashion. And I just, <laughs> absolutely, that sums up my disease, you know, it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. And, um, you know, like Bill, my disease doesn't come as something obvious. It doesn't come as, you know, let's eat lots of chocolate. I, you know, it's too easy, really. It comes dressed up as, you know, I maybe can handle three drinks no more. And, you know, mine dresses up itself as things like, you know, another piece of fruit doesn't matter or um, it's only dried fruit. It's not sugar. Um, you know, these things have tripped me up so many times um, in my recovery, in my abstinence, in my you know, it, it, it's just it, the insidious insanity. It's just, you know, it's it's the absolute dishonesty and the delusion that um, that this illness carries. And I think, you know, there's that bit. And there's also the music and gay chatter. You know, for me, that's also an insidious insanity because it's so easy for me to associate food with, you know, comfort and happiness and deliciousness and this, that and the other. But that's not my reality. That was never my reality. I, I read Bill's story yesterday with, with, a, with a fellow and, you know, that wasn't his reality. He didn't do music and gay chatter. You know, he was, he was um, having to drag his mattress down the stairs because he thought he was going to jump out of a window. You know, he was stealing from his wife's, pur wife's purse so he could go over the road and get, get beer first thing in the morning and keep his food down. And, and, you know, it's the same for me is that if I think that food is all those things to me, I'm, I'm just in an absolute delusion because for me, um, my eating disorder was 
several bags full of food and purging myself all evening, trying to escape from people, trying to get rid of people, um, be by myself, isolate. Um, and, you know, it's physical discomfort. It was it was mental torment. You know, that's my reality. Um, if I if I if I'm going to pick up the food again. So, you know, this whole sort of insidious insanity, I absolutely relate to Bill W with this. And, you know, I've had that in recovery, too. And thank God, you know, to date, when I do get those um, thoughts, um, I have that moment of just pause and please, God, give me power and grace to do something differently. And, and you know, like Bill W, um, thank God I've been able to pick up the phone, do something else, work a part of the programme, work with a sponsee. And, you know, it passes, it passes for me and, um, you know, until next time. But I can never underestimate this illness. Um, <laughs> this is something the other day. It said, if I, if I get away, if, you know, it says it's coming back and powerful. If I start thinking this is straightforward, easy, and, you know, I've got more power, then I'm, I'm, I'm on thin ice and, um, you know, I need to take some action. Um, so, yeah, great to be here and I will pass with that. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Claire E. So, um, although we value your experience, we ask that um, you hold off and only share every third day. So if you share it on Thursday or Friday, please um, take a pause. And who else would like to share on this paragraph on page 154? Can you please confirm what page and paragraph we're on? Page 154, the third paragraph. Of course, he couldn't drink. Who would like to share? This is Raquel from Israel. Barbara E. Barbara E. Patricia P. from Michigan. Nancy P. Carmela T. Rosanne. Okay, I heard Raquel E. Barbara E. Patricia. Nancy um, P, Carmela G, and Russ M. There's a weird noise I'm hearing. Toby K. Um, Toby K. Rowena K. Rowena K. Okay, let's stop there. Um, we have Raquel E, Barbara E. I mean Raquel, whatever your initial is, I can't even think. Raquel, Barbara E, Patricia. Um, Nancy P, Carmela G, Russ M, Toby K, and Rowena K. Go ahead, Raquel, followed by Barbara E. Raquel, star one. Yes, hello. Hi, family. How are you? All of you be well. And thank you, moderator. I love this story. And I, uh, now I'm in a whole other stage of of accepting powerlessness with all with the kinds of um, physical needs and um, and I needed sponsors because that's what keeps I believe with all, my whole heart and soul that this is what what will really keep me surrendered and really in in things. So what does God do? He's he's, he's incredible, you know. I really give him high recommendations to all of you. We have one meeting that is um, uh, face to face, and 
in, at the end of the meeting, uh, the person asked, there are like about five women, is somebody on Zoom? It is on Zoom too. Uh, could, somebody wants to ask question, and one lady asked for my phone number. She's been abstinent seven years, and she's in trouble for the last two years. What can be more wonderful than, than reading this with her? You know, I, I, my voice broke up. I was Bill. I was saying to, I was telling Telling her about, again, we are going through, I chose this part from the big book, saying to her, you know, when, when, when Dr. Bob came to finally to meet Bill after he planted himself under the table was Mother's Day. I loved the book, Pass It On, Bill's story. And when I walk, work with people, I, I take parts from there how she said he can't come because he put his plant on the table and he's planted dead drunk under the table. And now this piece where his Dr. Bob says to him, ah, oh, well, the next day when he finally came, uh, you know, buddy, I'm a busy man. I have about 15 minutes for you. And Bill starts crying. My voice, voice broke up and I was crying yesterday when I talked to this woman. I said, Bill said, I'm not here for you. I'm here for myself. If you don't sit with me and talk with me, I, I have six months. I'm going to go out and drink again. And they stayed five hours in that library, you know, in the Henrietta Cyberlink's um, uh, gatehouse. The fact that we need each other so badly and that God comes when two of us talk He's the third one there. I'm telling you guys, I needed so much to have somebody to work with. And here this woman came and I asked her, where do you live? And then she she passes my street every day going to work. She's going to be here at 3.30. It's, it's all of 2.30 now. She's going to be here at 3.30 and we will meet like as though... I'm her long-lost cousin. I love you guys. Have wonderful recoveries and a wonderful day, all of you. Take care. Thank I you. Guess. Thank you so much, Raquel. Barbara E., you're up, followed by Patricia. Good morning, everyone, and a happy Monday. I love this part of the story. I think I say that with everything. But I could relate to Jim. He felt entitled He'd had a perfectly crappy day, so why not eat or drink in his case? But instead, he turned away. He turned to God. He turned to helping another. And that's what this beautiful fellowship has done for me. It's given me an opportunity to make the right decision, even though I had a crappy day. And then, I'm sorry, Bill, I was referring to. And then there was Jim, who just didn't have enough. He hadn't learned enough about himself and the need for the spirituality in this program. So he made a bad decision. I've made so many bad decisions in my life. It's not uh, candy. It's sugar-free candy. It's not candy. It's cough drops. It's not Tums for sour stomach. For me, it's candy. I've made those terrible decisions because I hadn't continued on my journey. 
to change myself from self-knowledge and love and to reach out beyond myself in relationships with you and others and people I haven't heard from in a while and ask them how they're doing and not talk about poor me. Because if I sit on my poor, my pity pot much longer, all I'll get is a red ring around my ass. So I have to go out and do for others and just keep working this program as hard as I can because I always hear my disease is getting stronger. So my work with others, my spirituality, my relationship with this God that I didn't believe in when I came in, I have to do it. I want to be a fountain, not a drain. It's not a theory anymore for me. It's very personal. And it's an experience that's not temporary, but it's ongoing and it must be consciously pursued by me, whether I've had an absolutely wonderful day and I'm entitled or a crappy day, I'm not entitled. I must work on, trudge, walk heavily with determination and call people, do every single tool and every single step and work with sponsees, oh my God, that has saved my life. And pray in the morning, and I get down on my knees now, and I never used to. That knee surgery makes getting down on my knees a bitch. But I say to myself, the serenity prayer many times during the day, because for me, the serenity prayer says it all. Thank you, beautiful people. Have a wonderful day. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, uh, Patricia. I want to say C, but I really don't know what your initial is. Followed by Nancy P. Patricia, star one. Okay, Nancy, how about you? Can you go ahead and then we'll come back to Patricia? Yep, I'm good. Uh, good morning, okay, thanks, Nancy, Nancy P. Recovered. Thank you um, for letting me share. Nancy P. Um, recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. So um, the choosing of this course of action for me is a result of the promises coming true for me and the promises that are all throughout the book. Bill was essentially beginning his recovery in that six-month mark as he meant to go on by self-sacrifice for others. And the book says a lot about what's coming, um, all of which is predicated on my spiritual fitness. It spends a lot of the time, in fact, more than half of the pages that are, you know, through the seventh chapter on steps one, two, and three. Um, you know, and it's, it spends... All of that is predicated on my spiritual fitness. And in We Agnostics, which is my most favorite chapter, the book talks a lot about getting started on a relationship with God and says, afterward, we, find, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed out of reach. And afterward means after the 11th step, after I've completed the skill set in steps four through nine that I need in order to get into spiritual condition. I don't land in spiritual condition just because I say, okay, I'm going to go through the steps. I have to get there. And I personally tend to be lazy and would like nothing more than to go through the steps and then have done with it, you know, like a pay-in way. But that's not how it works. 
um, the program and how my life works either. And a lot of things in my life are like the gay scene that Bill turned away from, especially food issues, but also a lot of other life situations, most of them having to do with fear. And the book spells it out for me by telling me that as time passes, it will become a working part of my mind and that I will be inspired and come to rely on this inspiration. But all of it requires time and practice. Today, I still do every single thing I did to get recovered, as well as all the things I need to do to stay recovered. And I can get the lurking notion, not only that I can do all of it without this, all this work, but also the far more dangerous, insidious um, notion that other things besides, which is a lurking notion for me, that other things besides this work will do the job of keeping me in fit spiritual condition. I'm always being you know, distracted by rabbit holes. Like, oh, try, you know, do this. It, it, it disguises itself as, as the same solution, but, I, but because I stay, you know, like rigorously on track that I, I don't really get fooled by that anymore. And so, you know, I feel like, you know, what's the, always the answer? People call me and say this or that or the other 10th step. And I always say, you know, we go through the, the conversation and I always say at the end, now, if it were me, if it were me, if this were me, if I were you, I would spend the next 45 minutes talking to other people and not talking about myself because that's the thing, you know, fellowship the verb um, is what deprives all this other stuff of oxygen and kills it. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Oops. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, Patricia, are you back? Okay, we seem to have lost Patricia. Yes, Patricia? Yeah. Okay, are you ready to share? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, there's a very strange noise with you. Okay. Are you uh, on a speakerphone or are you on a regular phone? Or are you talking regular? I have to be on a speakerphone. Yeah, speakerphones don't work very well on the recorded line. I'm sorry. Okay. I guess I'll pass them. Okay, sorry. Okay, go ahead, please, Carmela G., followed by Russ M. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone on the line, for being there every day. My name is Carmela G., a grateful compulsive overeater recovered for today through the power of a God of my understanding. The line, why not sit there, um, hopefully, that's the line that got me to thinking because originally I thought I had nothing to share. And that line brought me back to a Saturday of this week when I in my plans, did not plan on being at a funeral of a friend's husband uh, that I have known for over 53 years. And he died suddenly, and I knew that I had to put down everything and be present for her. So I was. I canceled things, and I was there with her for three days and her and her family, and seeing her children and grandchildren. And after the funeral, I had planned to recapture the day because it was in the morning. And as I was standing um, on the line to offer my condolences and put the rose on the casket, she came over to me and she said, we're going for lunch. 
I would really appreciate if you come. So I thought, okay, God, this is it. You want me to go to lunch? I'll go to lunch. So I said, absolutely. So I was the last to arrive at the restaurant, and there was only one seat at a table. And um, she said, oh, come sit here. And it happened to be with my friend. And at the table, I called it the 70s table because everyone there was a senior citizen. They were all her old friends and neighbors. And they were all into the food on the table. And I looked around the room, and I thought, wow, i got to get up and talk to these kids. Her grandchildren were at one table. Her daughters were at another table. And I circulated the room. And when the head waiter was going to serve the meal, I said, you can eliminate that first course for me. Thank you. And so he did. And the end of the day, there was a service that God wanted me to do. And a woman came over to me who was overweight with a cane, and she was younger than I. And she said, I watched everything you ate. And I smiled, and I said, well, I want to live. And that's all I said to her, and I follow my program. And after that, I knew I was following the plan that God had for me that day to live my program, to surrender and be a light for someone who may be needed to see what I was eating and what I wasn't eating. And with that, I pass and wish you all a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you, Carmela. Okay, Russ M., you're up, followed by Toby K. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, family. Russ M., recovered compulsive overeater in PA. So, you know, I really don't know what I want to say. It just brings me back to a this, – this past brings me back to – uh, when I was maybe about, I think it was eight months, I, I, I was clean, and I wanted to fist fight everybody, and uh, I was having issues with my in-laws and my wife and my mom, and I just wanted to, you know, sometimes you just want to punch somebody in the face, not that I I can do that, I never did that ever in my life, but, so I'm trying to get a hold of my sponsor, which is rare that I don't get to him, and I get to my green sponsor, and he just put me right back in my lane. Ten stepped it, and uh, and uh, he said, "Shut your mouth and call, call somebody and shut your mouth and don't tell them nothing." And I had to get out of myself. And that was the first time I had thought in about eight eight months about food. Just it, I wasn't at a buffet, but I could have made a quick buffet real quick in the car. You know, I was I was ready to go. And that that saved me. So so what 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 I'm getting at is that I had to get get out of myself. I know on the line or whatever way we it's cliche. Get out of yourself, but you have to do that. I had to do it, or have been oblivion. It would have been like the Tasmanian devil going into the house, man. Just everything everywhere. And if it wasn't for that call, I wouldn't have stayed on on, on the line. It's like same kind of like Larry alluded to the you know the Mayflower. That's how that was for me. Uh, looking in that directory, I had to call my grand sponsor. 
And the other thing, just to shift gears, is that, you know, we are not like other people when it comes to food. So, you know, I can't go to that buffet, right? I have to utilize this program. I have to live this way of life, you know. But because I, 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 I have accepted that and I'm living this way of life, now I could go to the buffet and not eat. Or I could get through a Sicilian Christmas, which is like, it's like a crack house for me. Or, I, you know, I could get through these precarious situations without a problem because of this way of life. So when I read this passage and I see this, I look at myself seeing how, how screwed up I was. But, you know, you make a phone call and you could get free. And that to emphasize that, 10, 11, and 12, and that I owe to do that for someone else. So thank you for letting me share. Y'all have a great day. God bless. Thank you, Ross. Okay, Toby K, you're up. Followed by Rowena K. Hi, it's Toby K. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I really identify um, with Bill um, all the time, actually. Um, but uh, next, in a couple of weeks, I was there was a ceremony um, that was given by this that was going, it's going to be by my sisterhood uh, for my synagogue. And uh, it's a little uh, religious ceremony that I usually don't partake in because I can't eat any of those foods. Um, mostly, mostly I can't eat any. And I said, well, I could go, I'll be sociable. I'll just bring some vegetables and, um, and show my face. But I said, you know, it, it really defeats the purpose. The ceremony is concentrated on certain foods, which are not good for me. And also uh, was made it harder for me was that it would have been um, the day for my uh, father's um, birthday, uh, which was this day was a special day besides. So it would have like a double meaning for me. But um, I said, no, this is not good for me. I don't know what to do, what to do. You know, I, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be unsociable. I want people to, quote, unquote, love me and accept me and be present for them. And I kept, uh, what? but they had RSVP, and I kept wondering over and over again, what, what's going to be, what's going to be, what am I going to do? And I really thought I would have a conflict anyway. And yesterday I see an email um, it's all booked up. So um, God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Um, he helped me in that situation. And now I see I really need to reach out to other people to, to give them help because God was so generous with me. And um, I see how important the fellowship is. And thank you so much for letting me share right past. Okay, thank you, Toby. And Ro Rowena Kay, you're up. Hi, my name's Rowena Kay from the United Kingdom. Um, thank you so much for hearing me. Um, uh, yeah, this I when I heard that reading, um, the part that I heard was he sat hopeful at the table. Um, and I guess what I related that to was, you know, he said hopeful at the table and I'm thinking maybe it's hopeful that he could try the experiment one more time 
and eat like a drink like a normal like a normal person. Um, and I think the reason why it stood out for me today is because I think I do have a lurking notion. Um, and um, hearing everybody share and just hearing so many gems today made me realize that I actually do have this lurking notion. Um, and it's not disguised as anything. It's disguised as it's it's what it is. It's Hershey's, um, which is all on on. on a special at the supermarket not too far away from me. Um, and there is kind of like this sort of cloud of bliss, you know, this euphoric kind of recall of the eight seconds of, uh, you know, forgetting everything after that first bite. And then, um, yeah, so I guess um, I realise I haven't made enough outreach calls. Um, but the other thing it made me realise is that, you know, I... Um, I'm an overeater. I'm powerless over this, you know, and um, I have to hand this over to my higher power because I was, I was, I've been abstinent for all of three weeks, and um, and I did. I was surprised to discover today that I'm still a compulsive overeater, even though I've been in the rooms for ten years. Um, it is always a, a surprise, and it's something that I actually forget left to my own devices. So there's two things I'll be doing. One is, you know, handing this over to my higher power and the other is to make some outreach calls, call a newcomer and call, you know, just make my three calls, basically. Um, and, you know, just following on from what other people have shared, there was nothing gay about food for me at all. Um, absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, so thank you and the other thing that um i was reminded of is you know the last time i had hershey's um was probably just over three weeks ago and on that day um i was going to work i was working an art shift and um i'd um i'd been binging you know prior to set, setting off for work and i stopped on on the way to work um to get more hershey's and um I'd already because I'd already been binging. I was really feeling quite sick, but I just had one of the cake, the little cupcake things, and it made me so sick. And um, the feeling of sitting there with my pockets full of chocolate, waiting for my train, and it was really cold. And um, you know, the, I, I, you know, it's a feeling that I won't forget, or I probably will forget <laughs> if I don't do this work. So um, yeah, um, I will leave it there, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Rowena. Okay, well, we are at the end of our time. So thank you to everyone who shared. Um, if, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, December 20th, 2021, 7 a.m. meeting is 18,270. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Penny E. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. Penny E. recovered in South Jersey. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. 
Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.